Do you spend hours in your head thinking about something that happened, could have happened, or might happen? Do you ask others what to do so you don't make a mistake? Welcome to the Playing It Safe podcast. I am Dr. Z, your host. I am a clinical psychologist, an author, and a person that is super passionate about sharing with you science-based skills to overcome any type of fear-based struggles. Who doesn't experience fear? Who doesn't play it safe? In this show, we will discuss how fear-based reactions happen in day-to-day life, how playing it safe behaviors look like, sound like, and feel like, how you can put into action solid tips from behavioral science to get unstuck from worries, fears, obsessions, and anxieties, and how you can start doing what works, what matters, and what you care about. Behavioral science doesn't have to be boring. Thanks for listening, and let's get started. There is nothing wrong with striving to do things right and perfectly. It really depends on how often you do it, when you do it, and how it works in your life in the long run. Hello everybody, this is Dr. Z, and today I want to share with you an interview on perfectionistic, high-achieving, and striving behaviors, and I also want to make an announcement. Let me tell you first about the interview. Um, When we think about perfectionism, what is unhealthy is demanding perfectionism, which involves demanding that you are perfect and do things perfectly, otherwise you may think of yourself as unworthy, not good enough, or a screw-up. Those particular patterns of perfectionistic actions can generate much anxiety, depression, loneliness, and insurmountable levels of stress, even when it feels good to do things right and perfectly in the moment. But what if you learn to embrace that setbacks are part of reality? What if you learn to accept them and accept yourself as you are and not as you wish to be? What if you learn to adjust your goals, actions, and behaviors based on the context of a given situation instead of holding them as rules? In the next couple of moments, you will listen to my interview with Andrew Nalband. Andrew is the Chief Executive Officer at Funk Notes, a tool for thinking and journaling, and a wonderful app to use for note-taking and writing. In this conversation, Andrew genuinely and kindly shares his struggles with perfectionistic actions and how he skillfully manages them these days. Andrew is a veteran of three classes of tech stars and the former director of user experience at Ubersense Inc. He has helped more than 25 companies improve their products and has driven many iPhone apps to the top of the App Store. In this conversation, you will hear Andrew and myself talking about the raw version of how perfectionistic actions show up, not a book version. The plus and benefits and cons of perfectionistic actions. How perfectionistic actions can show up in many areas of our life. What happens when your mind comes up with if and then thoughts? How to hold your mind lively? The beginnings of practicing mindfulness and how to cultivate presence and purpose in your day-to-day life. 
This is a very special conversation. I finished the interview with a sense of gratitude to Andrew for his openness to share with us his struggles with perfectionistic actions in a very genuine and authentic way and also how he manages them these days. I really hope you find this episode helpful. If you are a person struggling with perfectionistic, high-achieving and striving behaviors, keep in mind that those perfectionistic actions are the outcome of an intense fear of making mistakes, fears about not being good enough, a strong attachment to a self-defined by achievements and holding into many thoughts as rules. And you're also a person that deeply cares about the things and projects you participate in. Now, on another note, here is an announcement for all of you. On July 5th at 9 a.m. Pacific time, I am teaching a workshop on how to stop overthinking and how to develop a new relationship with your mind. According to the National Science Foundation, we have between 12,000 and 60,000 thoughts a day. We have busy minds, all of us. And quite often, we confuse self-reflection with overthinking. The reality is that if our thinking goes unchecked, it can tank our health, sink our moods, strain our social connections, and cause us a lot of stress. So in this workshop, I am going to teach you three specific skills. How to observe your mind's activity for what it is. How to catch those problematic thinking patterns as they happen. And how to make room for them without going into overthinking. I really hope you can join me in this workshop. It will be great to have you there. To register, you need to go to the website www.thisisdrz.com and from the menu, select the option Courses and then you will be directed to the main page and you can register on the course. You can also go to this other website, courses.thisisdrz.com that is C-O-U-R-S-E-S dot thisisdrz.com so you can also register there. Without further ado, I leave you with an interview with Andrew and I hope to see you on July 5th. Have a wonderful week. Bye-bye. I was reading uh, Nest Lab's newsletter and that's how I discovered your work. And I was really touched in the interview when you mentioned that one of the things that you have to learn to handle and get a grip of were perfectionistic behaviors. I relate to that too, because I'm one of those anxious achievers. <laughs> so I'm very passionate about that topic. So maybe I can start by asking, what's your story with high achieving perfectionistic behaviors? Yeah, um, gosh, I, I, I wish I had sort of formulated this into a, a great story for you. But it's just something that I think has been a part of my life for a very long time. I... I often find myself trying to, um, you know, get that last detail in place. And I think the way I experience it is mm-hmm. um, I'm you know, continuously working on just trying to get something to a level where I'm happy with it. And that often in practice ends up being, 
you know, just sort of a continuous striving for perfecting something. Mm -hmm. uh, and, and it can, I think it can hold me back in lots of areas, but certainly one is anytime I'm required to publish something online to the internet is like the ultimate, you know, okay, I'm going to work on this <laughs> way harder than I need to, uh, you know, because I see. that's uh, how I think about it. Yeah. If I can unpack this a little bit, what happens if you don't reach that feeling, that feeling that it's done, that you can publish something or what happens if you don't pay attention to last detail? What will that be? Yeah, it's funny, you know, if we're trying to get into fears, I think it it is, it's not even, <laughs> it, it can still happen, like what, what you don't want to happen can still happen, uh, even yep. if you do add the last detail. And um, I think maybe, you know, if I kind of reflect on times when, this is like sort of welled up after publishing something. It's usually when something goes out and someone points out something that I knew could have been better. Mm -hmm. and I published it anyways. And I, and I don't know, I mean, we could dig into the psychology of that, but like, <laughs> but I can tell you that, um, that, that is when it's sort of most felt by me. Like, Oh man, I really wish that I had finished that detail that I knew could have been better, uh, but I published it anyways, and here's this person pointing it out, uh, and they're right. Yeah, yeah. And then what do you do? How do you handle that emotional noise with that feeling that comes, man, I knew it? It depends, it. yeah, it depends. Um, I mean, certainly, you know, if I'm, if I'm particularly hot about something, you know, I just try to take some space before, mm -hmm. like, responding, especially if it's online. Sure. Uh, other, other techniques would be, you know, you talk to a friend or your wife and just mm -hmm. say, hey, this is what's going on. And they'll talk you off the ledge a little bit. Um, what else works? I guess mm. those are two things that come to mind. Yeah, mm -hmm. a couple of ways. And when you talk to your friends and your wife, what does the conversation do for you? Well, they're not, they don't care. Uh, in, they don't care in the sense that, like, they're not feeling what I'm feeling. So they can look at it much more objectively and, you know, tell me this isn't a big deal, you know, and, mm. and usually maybe, maybe the most direct way to put it is they just offer me a perspective that I don't have because I am caught up in a feeling of, Ooh, I don't like this. Mm -hmm, <laughs> mm -hmm, mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, so they can offer me a different uh, view of it. And that's powerful uh, because I just, I don't have access to that when I'm in the midst of like, mm, this doesn't feel very good. I think high achievers and strivers and people with perfectionistic actions is a special group of people that deeply care about what they are doing. Their values, their mission, their life principles are very clear to them. The challenge is that they are holding onto that with white knuckles and somehow everything needs to be like that. I think that sometimes of course makes sense because you deeply care you want to get things right and perfect who wouldn't sure yeah i mean i think that that that's certainly a lovely way of putting it <laughs> and, <laughs> and and it that that certainly resonates with my own uh you know kind of life experience certainly i think gosh i i, I think back to maybe being 22 years old kind of out of college trying to figure out what i wanted to do 
and being a little lost, I think, really mm. at that point, mm -hmm. and spending a lot of time. I, it's hard to think of a year that I haven't dedicated significant mental energy towards what do I really care about? What matters to me? What do I want? What is worth spending the ungodly amount of time that we spend on work in the United States on mm -hmm. anything? Like what, you know, what would justify that? That's and right. so that is certainly true uh, for me is that I care deeply about, you know, what we're doing and, uh, and it matters a lot to me to do it as best as I can. And that goes along with what you were sharing that perfectionistic behaviors have a strong benefit because they do right like in your yeah. experience how did you experience that benefit or the pluses or the goodness that comes with perfectionistic actions how did that show up in your life yeah i think well, i can think of a few different examples so um maybe an earlier one was from high school and well I will, I'll, I'll tell the, the high school story and then college will actually maybe bring it in. So in high school, I uh, was a singer and I was really kind of terrible at sports. So I had spent the first couple of years of high school like trying to be good at sports and I just did not have whatever that natural ability was that made someone good at athletics. Uh, but I could sing pretty well and I tried out for this musical and pretty rapidly you know, whereas sports, I could work very hard and do very poorly. I put in very little effort into music and immediately was doing extremely well. I think I was cast in like, a, you know, the second, you know, best role my uh, sophomore year and then the lead my junior and senior years. And mm -hmm. what, what I would do is I'd put on these CDs uh, and I'd just listen to them repeatedly of the actual musical. And, you know, I'd drive around my car and I'd sing them. And I, it wasn't really about, um, it sounds funny, but I, I wasn't necessarily thinking of it as practice. I was more just trying to, you know, do it as good as I could do it. You know, I could mm -hmm. try, to try to sing it as well as I could sing it. Mm -hmm. And someone in college really helped me see this. I, you know, similarly, I was singing in college and I was in a singing group with this guy. And he said this funny thing to me once. He said, you know, I used to think that you were just a, re don't take this the wrong way. I used to think that you were a really just naturally talented singer. And then we lived together. And, I, and he was like, I've never seen somebody rehearse or practice that much for anything. Like, I didn't even know that that was like a level that you could, that you could work at something. And um, that helped me sort of reflect on how much energy was going into that stuff mm. where I would, I would, you know, the smallest mistake would urge me forward. Like I remember going to an audition, missing an entrance mm -hmm. and just having this very intense reaction to that. Like I will never miss an entrance again. Mm -hmm. And uh, what happened was I, you know, I, so I, like a guitar had clued me into an entrance and it wasn't there when we were like auditioning. And so I started rehearsing. I would turn the music down and down and down. I would do it without the music. I would do it at various levels. I'd walk around campus. I'd just be like singing to myself like a crazy person. <laughs> and, and it wasn't, but it wasn't, um, I didn't think I was working super hard. You know, I didn't, it wasn't until my friend reflected that back to me. It was really just that I, I wanted to 
do it as well as I could do it. And I just got mm -hmm. lost in that pursuit of, you know, perfectionism, I suppose. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So if we kind of step back a little bit, mm -hmm. and thank you for sharing that story, because it really captures what perfectionistic is. This a strong fear of failing, this a strong fear of making mistakes, and a way to manage this is by over-preparing, avoiding making decisions, paying attention to the nitty-gritty of things. Um, but I think it captures really what a lot of people experience. Sometimes people have think of perfectionists as a phobia. This is strong anxiety about making mistakes. Um, like in life, we can be a, right. I yeah, really that's that. definitely part of it. <laughs> <laughs> right? We can be afraid of you know a bunch of things like a bee, a fly. But with behind perfectionistic actions, that fear is very raw. It's a very different experience. People know it. They feel it when they are missing something or the possibility of making a mistakes. Now. I'm wondering if in your note-taking app, Thunk, you are the founder, you are working in this beautiful product. It's just really gorgeous, very user-friendly. How these high-achieving behaviors may have been helpful in this project? Or maybe not, maybe they weren't. Oh, it definitely, it definitely, I think, does have benefits. I mean, I could talk about both benefits and challenges. Happy to I do love it. We'll start love with benefits. We'll start with the positive. <laughs> start with benefits. Love it. <laughs> uh, you know, I think. Well, when I when I went on this this, you know, I sort of described being on this journey of trying to figure out what really mattered to me. I landed on this this very grandiose sounding phrase that I actually really believe in, which is like, I just want to make things that make the world a more joyful, beautiful, and delightful place to be. Mm. And, uh, you know, so having that, you know, kind of clarity about what I'm trying to do, mm -hmm. uh, and then this perfectionism underneath it sort of drives me towards, um, you know, I think people come into our app, and one of the things that people say is, oh, the UI and like just the way that this is all tied together is just really beautiful and really thoughtfully done. And somebody once said, I think, you know, I can tell that you guys like actually use this product. Like you didn't, you're not just like making it, but it's one that you actively use yourself. And so it's really played out in, I think that area specifically where I've been able to mm -hmm. manifest what I wanted, uh, which is to, to create something beautiful that then hopefully inspires others to go out and, and sort of join me in that mission. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I've been able to go hire some of the best. Uh, and, and I think it, it shows up in that I can identify, you know, folks that can really push the envelope on like the beauty on this thing, like great mm -hmm. icon designers. And, uh, you know, we worked with this wonderful illustrator, Alfrey, to do our character design. And all of that is very carefully crafted and I think has led to, you know, I mean, Thunk is still early and we're still, you know, trying to, you know, get ourselves in place. Mm -hmm. But I think in that way, we have an edge, uh, in that specific way. And, and fortunately, it's the way that um, matters the most to me in terms of it being like just beautiful and simple and a wonderful place to take your notes. It is a beautiful app. It's the integration and it's so user-friendly. It's minimalistic. It's not visually heavy. Um, it's really gorgeous work. And, and I can see how pushing yourself has been very handy in the project. 
Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you. <laughs> thank you for those kind words. And yeah, it, it, um, it and it's played out in, in other areas, I suppose, as well. Like, in, you know, I've tried to, I've tried to work with like an outsourced person to like do our marketing for us. Mm -hmm. Like last year, that's all I did was just try to find somebody. Wow. And this year, I'm like, I, it's not working. Um, mm -hmm. I'm just gonna have to learn this. You know, like I, I'm just gonna have to do this. Uh, myself and I, it's sort of working you know I mean it's sort of uh, we're, we're actually making some progress in that area and so maybe that's another area where my just insane like I will figure this out <laughs> attitude you know I don't know how else you do it right because these things are really difficult to take on as a, as a single person and you sort of have to be a little crazy and perfectionistic to like get them to you know, actually function or you have to yes. care a lot, right? And we're not well, to it's the same that. thing. Caring a lot and being a little crazy, it's the same, you know. I love just, it. They're just different perspectives of the same uh, That's right. That's, behavior. That's right. That is true. Here's the other part of this question. In which aspects in your life, high-achieving behaviors have not been helpful that made you possibly well, made you rethink things? Yeah, well, I can, I'll, I'll give you a very fresh example from Love two it. different parts of life. Mm -hmm. One from Thunk. So um, I've been working on this like visual summary for Tiago Forte's book, Building a mm -hmm. Second Brain. Beautiful. And I've built a lot of stuff for it. And I really like just kind of want to publish it, but I just keep working on it. And it's not mm -hmm. that there isn't still more to work on. Mm -hmm. uh, but so what I'm noticing is like a struggle there where I'm like, I'm having trouble just sharing, especially like in progress parts of that work that aren't maybe so polished. Mm -hmm. uh, you know, I see a lot of people out there doing, you know, building public is this whole, you know, movement and I'm trying to get behind it, but there's this other part of me that just is like, that's like the opposite of what I want to do. Like I don't want to show behind the curtain. I just want to show mm -hmm. the thing when it's finished. Mm -hmm. So one of the ways that I've been trying to, fight that is um i don't know if you're familiar with maggie appleton yeah i have seen her work yeah i'm not ultra familiar but i have seen her newsletter okay so maggie does this thing where she will publish something before it's done and then she'll just write like draft and progress on it and i that is like the perfectionist's like master like cheat code i think because um it by just putting the statement like i'm not done yet Mm -hmm. I just feel like psychologically that just opens up a whole new game for me where I can sort of put something out there. It, you know, it's, it's like whenever I release something without a statement like that, it feels mm -hmm. like I'm making an implicit, implicit statement. This is the very, very best that I could possibly do. <laughs> and I put maximal time and effort and energy into this. So that's one thing I'm trying to do there. And mm -hmm. one way in which these tendencies have not been so helpful without that, you know, uh, where I'm sort of like, you know, I would, I think it would be better to share more of this as it's in mm -hmm. progress. I think more people would see it and there would be a lot of benefits. Um, another example uh, I can think of last night, I, <laughs> I made some brown beef and I totally overcooked Ooh. it. And, <laughs> and this is a good example of where like fear had something to do with it because I trusted the recipes timer over what I could visually see, which is like, that looks done, but, but the recipe says there's two more minutes left on the timer. Ooh. So I just like, 
let it run out. And then, mm-hmm. after, and then my wife got home and I'm like, this is overcooked. And she's like, yeah, it definitely is. <laughs> and I was like, damn it. I should have trusted myself. Uh, but, but I noticed that, that I think specifically with cooking, that's mm-hmm. been a, a challenge for kind of a long time. And it, and it wasn't really until a friend of mine recently, uh, said, Hey, let's, let's cook together. You know, he's an awesome guy. His name is Ryan. Mm-hmm. And he could see that I was just sucking in this area and he's great <laughs> at it. So, you know, he was like, why don't we cook together? He went online, he ordered me all the food. It showed up in like a package from a grocery delivery service. Mm-hmm. And uh, he was like, let's get on a Skype call every day this week and we'll cook together. And his just sort of like lighthearted approach and playfulness and just fun attitude really kind of like gave me a little bit more you know, confidence and willingness to participate in this area where it's like, you know, I'm not, I'm not able to do this perfectly, mm-hmm. uh, but I can still kind of have fun with it. So, mm-hmm. you know, I think that I've noticed ever since that I've been, you know, kind of cooking more. Um, but yeah, that's another area where another example of an area where typically that has held me back a lot because I'm like, oh, well, if I'm not going to cook perfectly, why cook at all? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, uh, no, yeah. yeah, I absolutely relate to that. And many times, believe it or not, people think that perfectionistic actions or striving behaviors are exclusive to career performance or school performance, but actually they can be in all areas of our life for the musicians, for the singers, for the dancers, for the housewife, for the person raising kids. Um, I think it makes a huge difference when we can acknowledge the noise that comes, the noise about not doing things right or not getting it right, and giving ourselves permission to try things without attachment to the outcome, without knowing exactly how it's going to be. And then that's my question for you. How are you making that distinction these days in your life when you really pay attention to detail? because the task or the project requires that and how in other areas like cooking as you did with your friend Ryan you give yourself permission to just go with experience to be curious about it without wrestling with it much yeah um, I mean gosh it's a it's a ongoing <laughs> it's an ongoing journey as you can tell I'm simultaneously like still trying to get everything right with this building a second brain stuff. And I'm trying to, you know, I, the other day I put on our blog, uh, I haven't, <laughs> this is funny. I haven't actually published it yet, but I put, <laughs> I built that little disclaimer. That's like, you know, this is a draft that's in process. Got it. So, uh, yeah, I think that those are, those are ways that I'm, you know, those are ways that I'm actively trying to, um, you know, kind of manage that going forward. But I don't know. I don't know if I have a super clear answer for you because, mm-hmm. you know, with work, I see, I see sort of multiple, you know, there's sort of multiple ways to view it. One is that like this sort of insane perfectionism is helping, you know, mm-hmm. and I think there's no denying that it does, you know, there are benefits to, caring about the quality level and only putting something out when you think it's like really great. Um, but, but at other times, I guess, you know, one of the things I try to do is just tweet very frequently uh, and just tweet daily. Cause I feel like Twitter gives you as a platform, it, it's like, because things decay so fast mm-hmm. on Twitter, 
That's fine. kind of gives you a different sort of permission to just sort of put something out there and be like, mm-hmm. I don't know if this is going to do well or not. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, so I don't know if I've really answered your question very effectively, but those are yeah. some of the things that come yeah. to mind. No, you did, you did, because I think sometimes we have to have micro exercises to really practice curiosity, to practice letting go of any attachment. And sometimes, yeah, those tweets, 280 characters are an opportunity to do that. One of the things you mentioned that I find fascinating, especially these days in the information era, in the hustle culture, is that a lot of people have demonized perfectionistic action. Like there are hundreds of books saying, let go, drop your standards. There's this huge movement that perfectionist is bad. Here's what is interesting, and I think you and I will know this, is that because the behaviors get reinforced and they work in our favor, it's actually hard to let them go. It's not easy peasy, as people say. And my approach is that instead of holding these dichotomous views that perfectionism is bad, let it go, I think we have to learn to harness the power of those behaviors, to find the golden nuggets of those behaviors. And I'm curious for you, If you were to talk to other people or people who are listening to us about perfectionistic actions that have been exposed to these messages that says perfectionist is the evil, perfectionist is the enemy, what would you say to that message? What would be your response? Or how do you see those messages? Well, I think that's just a very simplistic way to view perfectionism. I think it's a very, um, it is, there's no question that it is extremely common to have a fear of doing things that is attributed to perfectionism uh, mm-hmm. very frequently. Uh, I, you know, I ran a course last year, which was a writing course, and oh, wow. a lot of folks who were taking that course who, you know, said, "Andrew, you know, I just don't, I can't. What if I do this? What if I do this? Mm. What's going to happen?" There was just, a, you know, tons of fear around that, and so. Uh, but I think, you know, as we sort of explored on the call, it's not, it is definitely not uh, purely an evil thing. Mm-hmm. It definitely has costs, right? Like any behavior has costs. Right. But it's a very simple thing to look at it and just say, this is the source of all my problems. And if I could just correct this behavior that I have, then everything would be great, right? Yeah. And we, we have this about a myriad of things. Like money is a great example also right like if i just had 10 million dollars then everything would be perfect and i wouldn't have all these you know problems and you know this that and the other would all fall into place but you know as i think there's like a great there's a great jim carrey quote i think where he says i wish that everybody could have all the fame and money and everything that their heart desires mm-hmm. so they can find out that that's actually not the answer i've had it all right mm-hmm. and and i found out and, and I think that that may be true of this, you know, idea that if you could just correct your perfectionism, then everything would work out. And, mm-hmm. and um, you know, the reality of it is uh, it's, it's, a, it's a dance. And, you know, sometimes, you know, you, you uh, swing on into beautiful glory and other times you fall in your face, right? Yeah. Yeah. But but sort of recognizing that it's not just constant falling on your face and it's not just a negative mm-hmm. uh, is probably the reality. I love the metaphor that it's more like a dance. And 
Because like you, I believe that that's how it is. It's an ongoing dance that we're having every day. Whether it's a tweet, whether it's something we're writing, whether it's the food we're making, whether it's an interview we're having or hosting a dinner. I think it's really this ongoing process that we go every day. Um, And to your point, I think one of the challenges with these dichotomous messages or very black and white messages is that they tap into this thinking power that if then, if I fix this within myself, then I will be happy. (laughs) <laughs> right? <laughs> yeah, really, sure. If, if I deliver this perfect, perfect project, then people will respect me. If I make sure that I host the perfect dinner, then my friends will always like me. So I think there's a lot of if-then patterns that get established that perpetuate sometimes these behaviors without looking at how it really work. And a question for you, if you find yourself having one of these if-then thoughts, because they may pop up. How will you handle it? How will you coach yourself in having that thought? Just for curiosity. Yeah, so what I might say is, if I was coaching myself, what I might say is just try to notice that. Mm-hmm. You know, uh, not, to, not to be the, you know, stereotypical mindfulness person, but that's also <laughs> something that I've invested in. Uh, you know, spent some time meditating and I did a, I don't know if you've heard of the uh, MBSR, Mindfulness-Based Stress Reduction. Yes, yes, course. John Kabat-Zen, yes. Yes, mm-hmm. so I did an MBSR course, but nice. yeah, I, th- I think I would say, you know, hey, Andrew, <laughs> try to notice when you're, uh, when you're looking for these, you know, causal relationships that might not exist and mm-hmm. realize that like, you know, the you know, the reality, and I say this as somebody who is not fully able to do this, (laughs) but the reality is that most of these things are more like probabilistic and not causal, right? Mm -hmm. So if if you spend a lot of time just generally striving to make things that are, you know, you think are great, that are, you know, you would recognize as putting in like a lot of effort towards something, it's probable that that will have a result that is good for others and, and good for you. Mm-hmm. But it is not uh, as much as a, as a sort of direct causal thing as like an if-then statement where you just be like, well, if I do this thing, I'm guaranteed like that outcome. Yeah, um, yeah. So, yeah, and then, and then I probably need some more coaching on, like, how to deal with the uncertainty of that. But, you know, maybe that's not your question. <laughs> <laughs> no, but that is, that is a beautiful response. I practice acceptance and commitment training or acceptance and commitment therapy Hmm. that basically blends mindfulness with behaviorism. And within this approach, one of the skills is to hold our mind lightly, to acknowledge that our mind has a life on its own, 24-7, non-stopping, and that our mind comes with all types of content, images, urges, Hmm. hypotheses, dreams. And it's impossible that all of them are factual, to your point. It's more like a lot of them are noise. And when these thoughts come, if, then, or when I do this, then I will feel this. I will feel better about myself. If we learn to hold those thoughts as maybe soundtracks, as noise that is in the background, but not as something that we have to act on, then we can do more things that are important to us because we're not consumed by the mind. 
Sure, yeah. I think, you know, uh, Eckhart Tolle would probably say, you know, uh, you are not your mind or, yeah. you know, <laughs> you are not your thoughts. Uh, I yeah, I, I, I think that is, I think that's right. And, and having, uh, I don't know, I think if you've engaged in mindfulness practices enough, you probably have had at least one moment. Well, enough is that word enough, but you, it's likely that if you, if you really sort of dedicate some time to it, you'll have at least one experience where you just sort of pause and pull yourself out of this stream of thinking. I, I think until you actually make an effort to do that, I remember the first time I started trying to do mindfulness. And, mm -hmm. and the first time I noticed this fear reaction as I tried to let go of the constant kind of stream of thoughts that was just churning like like all like all day every day mm. and I tried to just sort of step out of it for like you know 20 minutes or probably it was probably like five or ten minutes the first time I was mm -hmm. doing it, right? and I noticed this fearful sort of feeling like well what happened you know if I let this go yeah. you have this idea I think that I, I, I think that we I this was my experience. I don't want to speak for the entirety of humanity, but I certainly had a, an experience that there, there must be something important here, right? Like I'm thinking mm -hmm. all the time, yeah. this is how I'm getting things done. This is what's leading to everything that's going well. Um, if I could just do this more or better, you know, then every, you know, then it would sort of solve everything. Mm -hmm. um, but if you have an experience where you sort of step away from those things and then everything's better at least for that moment mm -hmm. that's a little weird right you have to start to question well what do i do <laughs> is this actually <laughs> I, I remember the first time i started to think like well is that like is that constant stream of background noise actually just nothing like is it not is it and i don't know i mean I, that now we're they're getting a little too like existential and <laughs> deep but like but there really, there really is a, a a thing there where if you can if you can get a little bit of space from that stuff, you can start to play with it, you know, just a little bit differently, and you can change your relationship with it as you're as you're sort of playing. If you like this episode, I will very much appreciate it if you will subscribe and share this podcast with your friends. And if you're feeling extra generous, I welcome a review on Apple Podcasts. Show notes of this episode are in the website playingwithsafe.com. Make sure to subscribe to my newsletter so you can receive more tips to stop all types of unworkable playing with safe actions. See you soon!